Am I the only one that's like, that's nuts? Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is an unexpected guest, if you're a part of our Discord community. It's the one and only Merzane. What's happening, my guy? It's a me, Merzanio. <laughs> I just woke up. Yeah, you're not alone there. And uh, thank you for being with me today on such short notice. And uh, Suits, if you can't tell, I am a little bit sick myself. This weather has been just beating me to death. And my original guest also got a little sick, so we tapped Merzane in. Always a good time, and I really appreciate it, bud. Yeah, I love being on. Woke up early for you. Nice. Couldn't, couldn't wait to be on. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a good time, but we both got up early to be here for the suits, and I'm really excited to talk about some Marvel Crisis Protocol stuff today. And we've got the final reveal of rhino to discuss which i'm really really stoked for because he's been revealed for a while now it's out in the ether a little bit some conversations have started around him and whatnot and so i'm excited to talk about him and then also we got some recently revealed characters and then we're going to kind of break down one of the new crises i think it's officially nagoldar said they don't refer to them as crises or crises or crisis uh, they refer to them as crisis cards. But I don't think that's as fun. What about you, Merzane? Uh Yeah, I, for one, would rather mispronounce crises. And two, uh, don't want to put the effort in by speaking an extra syllable to say cards. Exactly. Like, I would rather embarrass myself and make it faster. 100%. Right there with you. So yeah, we're sticking with crisisissies or crisisesses, something like that. We're gonna we're gonna keep going with that and just live our truth. So we're gonna talk about one of the new ones, and I'm really excited to break that down. Kind of get into some more strategies and some maybe thinking about some ranges and stuff that you can attack these crises with and stuff like that. I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. So without further ado. Let us now talk about these brand new reveals that they have given us here, and that's Better Ray Bill and Ulick. Now, Better Ray Bill looks amazing. He's a like cult favorite, I guess you could say, amongst comic book fans. Like he looks awesome. He's got Stormbreaker. The little lightning coming off Stormbreaker is definitely going to snap off. Uh, but but that model looks pretty. Baller, does it not? Oh, it looks awesome. Uh, way better than Beta Ray Bill deserved. <laughs> oh, no, stop it. No, no mean. I, I realize that sounds mean to Beta Ray Bill, but like, look at Thor's model and then look at Beta Ray Bill and like, it's clear which model is better. Oh, 100%. And what's really funny about it is that 
that model is very iconic from a shot on one of his comic books. And, and it speaks to how AMG has grown as artists and sculptors, modelers, and figuring out what they can do with these models and stuff. And it's, it's just really impressive to, to see it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it feels like they're, they're pushing it every time they make a new model, whether it's be to be like some really technically impressive pose or just something that you're like, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's just cool. Uh, exactly. Their, their models continue to impress. Exactly. And just for the reference for you guys that might be interested, it's Thor number three thirty seven. That's the, the reference pose here that they're going with. And it just, they nail it. You know what I mean? It's just, they, they really nail it. It's really excellent. And it's one of those things where when the comic book jumps off the page like this does, it's one where I am, uh, I'm very happy with, with how they've accomplished this. The lightning part, again, it's, it's super going to be snapped off. No question about it. It's just, it's just how it goes. Uh, but yeah, it looks awesome. Now, Ulick or Ulick, however you want to say it. A lot of people are like, who the F is this? I'm, I'm sure that's what your response was, Merzane, right? Uh, yes. In fact, it was, uh, what is this? I've never heard of this monstrosity in my entire life. Yeah, I find it very funny that they are bringing out a model, Ulick here. He's a mountain troll from the comics, and he first appeared in Thor number 137, so he's kind of an old villain, and he's a creation of, like, Jack Kirby, but he's, like, never been, like, a big deal, but he's also, like, randomly just found in different places and stuff. Like, he's he's really interesting character, and, and it's one that I'm really surprised we're getting in Marvel Crisis Protocol, but again, it speaks to the kind of fun nature of how even the deepest cuts can end up in this game. And I really like that. Yeah. I, I see a lot of people saying like, Oh, I can't believe they, they got Ulick. Why would they use him and waste his slot on another character? On, like not waste the slot on Ulick and not on someone people want. And I hate that because uh, one, it's not a wasted slot. This is Ulick's slot. That there was this, right. this slot was designed for Ulick. This slot wouldn't exist if we didn't have Ulick, right? Like this is what they wanted to make, so this is what they're making. That's it's just you don't get another slot. Um, yep. And two, someone likes Ulick. Someone saw Ulick on screen and thought, "Holy crap! I thought I'd never see this character like not only in this game but actually referenced in something I like." So like this made someone happy and for the rest of us who don't know who it is like me, I'm like, Oh cool. This is another Cassandra Nova thing. Like I was excited for Cassandra Nova cause I'd never heard of Cassandra Nova before. Yeah. And I got to learn about a new character. Uh, I wasn't excited for Gene at all. Cause I don't like Gene. Uh, this one's <laughs> different. Cause I actually think beta Ray bill is kind of cool. And I don't know who Ulick is. So now I get a, now rather than buy the pack for Cassandra Nova, and then get disappointed because I don't play Cassandra Nova. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can buy the pack for both of them. There you go. Yeah. And and that's, I think you really nailed it right there is like, this is someone's character that they, that they like. 
And, you know, we don't know what he's going to be on the tabletop. I mean, he he could end up being a fan favorite of MCP. You know, like maybe yeah. people don't know who he is, but when they see his rules, they're like, what is this nonsense? I mean, look at Okoye. For the longest time, Okoye was the most popular two-threat character. And, like, I'll be honest, I didn't know who she was until the movies, and I'm sure a lot of people were in the same boat. And now a lot of us at MCP know the name of Okoye. Oh, yeah. And respect it and like it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and he's definitely got, if you look at the uh, Marvel wiki, he's got some interesting affiliations that he could be a part of. Like, notably, the Wrecking Crew. Like, we don't have any of the Wrecking Crew in Crisis Protocol, but, like, that's just a really interesting one that I didn't think, you know, like, he's a part of the Wrecking Crew? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, who knows where he's going to be affiliated, because that's going to be wild. We could have another Punisher situation, which would be super weird. Yeah, I think he'll be in the Asgardians. Uh, like, I like how, like, Enchantress and Hela, like, they're not, like, good guys in Asgard. They're just, like, associated Asgardians. Yeah. I, I could see him just being, like, yeah, he's there. He helps them sometimes. Or he's against them. It's just he's part of it. It's just a part of it. He, he's affiliated with them loosely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, real quick, Merzane, before we get into this, I do have to clarify that I made a couple of mistakes when I glossed over <laughs> all of these crises the other day. And uh, shout out to Lexa for pointing that out for me and helping me get better at this. I really appreciate that. And the first mistake is we said that hammers didn't change. Well, turns out it did change just a little bit. And the way that it changed was that characters holding one or more celestial hammers must pay one power before playing a team tactics card. So it no longer stacks. Like if uh, Doctor Strange uses eyes on the prize and gets two hammers on him off the rip, he can still play Ironbound Books because he it will cost him three power instead of two on the following turn instead of stacking to where it would have cost him four power. So it just means that there's no extra power per hammer. It's just if you have any amount of hammers, you pay one additional power. I don't know about you, Merzane, but that's a pretty good change to me. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Easy to forget, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the next change we have is the cosmic portal. So cosmic invasion, black order descends on Earth. It's a small change here, but uh, now the push is omnidirectional, whereas before you kind of pushed them away from the actual token, now it is just pushed short, period. So it's kind of like sword base, and you just push them in whichever direction that you like, which is interesting. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like, I think part of the issue with the old version was that you could, like, backstop and never get pushed and still get the power. Right. Now, like, you actually had to be um, worried that your opponent could push you off a point. Or into somewhere weird, like with the uh, the scrolls. So, I think it's a good change. Yeah, I think so too. Sorry for that cough. But, good. yeah, that's all the changes. So now, Merzane, let's move on and talk about our big boy of the show today. And that is Rhino. So, 
as always, we're going to start with this model. And when he was first revealed, it was obviously a really cool reveal. They did like a shot looking over at Spider-Man from like behind his leg or something. That was really cool. And then we got the full reveal of the model itself. And I'm, I know everybody says it's a 65, but I honestly can't tell. I honestly can't. Like, I, I'm probably like we're at a 90% for me that it's a 65 millimeter base. But what about you? I'm 100% on it. It's a 65 millimeter base. It's sitting on the same base my Ghost Rider's sitting on. Well, uh, the the railroad one. So I'm pretty convinced. There you go. Unless it was a mistake. Because I think they've made, there was one other, I think it was like, I don't remember if it was Amazing Spider-Man, but I thought there was a character they put on the wrong base in some of the promotional stuff. Uh, maybe, uh, I'm not sure. But uh, either way, if he's on a if he's on a sixty five, that means we have eight models, I think, that are on sixty five millimeter bases. So that means the Chonky Boy Squad is real. Is it that few? I thought we had more. I'm pretty it's sure. Like more. I'm pretty sure it's eight. But I'm not gonna go searching through it right now. But <laughs> I uh, I'm definitely excited for this model for this character i think this model looks pretty cool like it's it's not got like a dynamic sculpt or anything like that but it's really nice in terms of like how it's just really conveying who rhino is as a character you know what i mean and mm -hmm. one of the things that i like about that aspect of it is the fact that he's gray and so gray boy painter over here could just really easily uh you know it's like hey look my rhino's just gray he's just gray <laughs> it feels like moon knight again right like you right. can paint him exactly one color and then like one highlight and you're like yeah yeah or, or, or i primed him and he's good now right yeah exactly yeah uh, i I, I, I love his model because it's simple but i hate uh and i only noticed this because i'm on asmodee's website looking at the uh, zoom feature, uh, his left hand is like on the inside. Uh, it's just a really awkward color. It's the same color as his knee. Really? It just looks really creepy to me as on the inside of his hand. See, I'm, I didn't go to the website. I should have gone to the, the, the Asmodee shop and done this because yeah, it's odd. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just did it because I was just going on their Facebook page and looking at the picture where he's like staring down uh, Spider-Man, and I thought that looked pretty cool. But, oh, uh, it looks awesome. Yeah, this this is going to be neat. And, like, the fact that the rocks are sticking off the front of his base, like, oh, yeah, that, you know, screw movement tools. Who needs space for movement tools, right? Just got to measure from the rocks, man. Yeah, measure from the rocks. You know people are going to do that. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it, it happens. Especially for attacks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like, oh, look, I'm, you know, he's got his little rock slide out here, too. <laughs> so yeah i i think this is gonna be a cool model and i love how they went with like the the not the mechanized version of the suit you know what i mean like there was a lot of yeah. questions about whether or not it'd be like the robot version or the one where he's just like a big dude in a suit and i'm, I'm glad that we we got non-robot version yeah I, i'm i'm happy they're doing some of the campy funny weird stuff from the comics like yes uh, it's just iconic. I wouldn't have minded Mech Suit Rhino, but I like this one better. I will say though, I for Vulture, I want I want a Mech Suit 
MCU vulture before a old man in a green jumpsuit. Oh man, see, I want the old man in a green jumpsuit over here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to punch an old man. That's the only bad thing. You're going to have to punch an old man in a green suit if we get that version of him. You just got to deal with it. I guess so. Don't make me do it, MG. Don't make me do it. (laughs) We have Rhino now, and it is Alexei Sietsevich. I hope I said that right. I think I said that right. And he has a physical defense of three, an energy defense of three, and a mystic defense of two. Yes. Uh, sorry, I get excited when I see Mystic Defensive 2 because as much as I play Convocation, it's like, okay, sweet. Built-in weaknesses, love it. So Don't let me hurt you. Exactly. Let me just shoot you with mind bullets. He has a stamina value of 7. He's threat value 4. Size 4, which definitely implies 65mm base. And he moves short. That is an interesting stat line there. Like, because the defenses scream three threat. The stamina value screams four threat. But, like, maybe the rest of the card makes more sense for him to be a four threat. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, this stat line looks way more unimpressive until you think about characters at the four threat level that have this. Stuff like Daredevil or Medusa, and then you realize, oh, there's good reason why they're at this po- at this uh, defense value. Yeah, yeah, and it's also worth noting on his injured side, he changes to six stamina, so he's got a lot of health. He, he's he's got the Sentinel's health. Oh, my oh, God. true. Yeah, that is Sentinel health line, isn't it? Yeah, that's the Sentinel health line, and. We're going to continue down the train of why I'm frustrated by the Sentinels. Again, having played them a lot, uh, I can explain why I'm frustrated by them uh, with one little superpower that this guy has here in just a second. So, Merzane, would you like to go over the attack? Singular. Yes. Yes, the one attack. The only one. The biggest one. Uh, It is a physical attack named Gore. It is a range 3, strength 5. Uh, builder, so it's going to gain power equal to the damage it does. Uh, and before damage is dealt, you can place this character within one of the target character. Uh, not you can, actually. It is you do. You place this character. That yep. is not an option. It's a must place. So he's he's coming up getting close to everybody, which I think is kind of fun. But one attack, and this is it. It's five dice, range three. I I will say, I do like that we have another short boy mover with a range three attack. I think that's pretty awesome, actually. Like, I I can't remember. I think Hulk, Hulk, uh, Thunderclap is range three. You've got the Ghost Rider. His Chains of Damnation is range three, but he moves, obviously, a lot longer. But uh, I really like that we have a range three attack, and then when you think about the mobility aspect of this, being able to advance short, and then get that range three off that big base. I think that's the midline. Probably pretty close. It's close to it, I think. Yeah. I can't oh, fully remember. I had tried this. <laughs> I, I can't fully remember if it's exactly the midline or not. But it, I know it's close. And 
someone in the House Party Protocol Discord posted a picture a while back. I don't remember exactly how far it was, and I definitely didn't save it because I'm a goober, of just how far Rhino can move on on certain things. So we'll discuss that here in a few minutes. But uh, I, I mean, this is a, a pretty standard attack. It's physical, and it is what it is, right? You know what I mean? It's it's five dice. It's range three. You're going to place, which is nice. But, like, you know, you're going up against the best defenses in the game with this attack. So, you know, I'm I'm curious about how how strong and how much power you're going to be able to build with this. But let's take a dive into these superpowers, and uh, that might open some things up for us. Oh, and it most definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So... Our first superpower here is an active superpower called Stampede. It's going to cost you three power. This character is pushed medium. Pushed. It does not stop its movement if it contacts a size two or smaller interactive terrain feature. Instead, the contacted terrain feature is destroyed. Then this character continues being pushed. Here's the fun part, Merzane. The next time it makes a gore attack this turn, add two dice to the attack roll. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So, you're going to get to move medium and then get two dice on your gore attack for the cost of not an action? Yeah, give me that all day. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, it is very reminiscent of Juggernaut's ability to uh, push himself. Uh, nothing stops the Juggernaut. Yeah. But this one's only once per turn and blows up smaller terrain pieces and also uh, doesn't hurt enemy characters. Right, which I think is a very interesting aspect of it is the fact that it doesn't hurt the enemy characters if you hit them and... What's interesting is it says it's push, but like on Juggernaut's rules, it doesn't say that like so Juggernaut says when it contacts a an enemy, it stops and he he stops, he doesn't do anything. This one just is pushed medium and it doesn't say anything about enemy characters. So I could see someone being confused of like, well, why does Juggernaut get to move get have to stop here? And, like, can Rhino just move through enemy characters? The rules for being pushed do not allow you to move through enemy characters. So that's why that text isn't here. Yeah, it. I think it's, like, on Juggernaut as, like, a clarification thing because it's going to do a damage. I agree. But you don't need to have that ruling on a push baseline. So they didn't put it here. Exactly, but I felt like it's worth mentioning just because if if you might get confused, maybe a new player, this is someone's favorite character, and they run out, they buy this character, they haven't played a lot of MCP, that might be confusing to someone listening to this. So there you go. Oh, yeah. But turning gore into a seven dice, still physical, but a seven dice attack is nothing to scoff at. And the fun thing about this is, versus if we can, we're going to compare a lot to Juggernaut, I think that's fair. The fun thing about this is, if you use your action to move with Juggernaut, then you get those three extra dice and you get one shot. 
Whereas with Rhino, you're going to have an opportunity to do a five dice and a seven dice or the other way around seven dice, five dice, which I think is going to be pretty spicy. Yeah, a little bit more dice to run. Uh, and maybe not as much movement like in like totality, right? Because Juggernaut's going to scooch all across the board. Uh, but he's going to be able to move like one big time and potentially two little times or just uh, attack, move big and then attack again. And then he's going to be placing at the end of all these. So like uh, he's not, his is a little bit more like limited, but it's not as limited as, as it seems like it's going to be. Exactly. And for context, again, keeping the fact that you get to place range one when you do your gore attack. So over in the House Party Protocol Discord, Dojo DC popped this picture down. I'm not sure if it's one he made or somebody else made this, but assuming no terrain or anything, he, he lined up three big bases and then a fourth big base after a small base to kind of represent the placement. Literally goes from deployment line to inside the enemy deployment line in what would be one activation. Short move, medium push, range three gore with a place at the end. You can attack their deployment line with that and then place inside their deployment line. That's bonkers. That's pretty far. Yeah. Yeah. And you're throwing seven dice at that character that's on that deployment line. Granted, you have to get three power on him or play him in Steve Avengers and get him a second power. You have to power him up in order to make this happen. But the fact that that's available to you is crazy. Yeah, like, and that's all round one, right? If he gets the three power. Exactly. Yeah, and like, later on in the game when he already has the three power, it's going to be like even more crazy because he's going to be able to like move first and then like double attack potentially. Right. And uh, basically get across the board right. uh, anytime he wants to. That's what I'm seeing here is a character that as unstoppable as Juggernaut is. Rhino, I think, is going to have a lot easier time getting around the board. And when you think about like setup and board setup and, and playing on on different terrain and stuff like that, you know, factoring in the, a character like Rhino is going to be hard to do because sure, there's there might be a size three building or something in the way. But OK, if. If this is maybe later in the game, Rhino's got some power on him. He can throw something, maybe. We haven't talked about that yet. Spoiler alert. He can throw something. And, <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. And and then continue the train. And when I see a setup like this, it's just it's a level of mobility that we haven't seen since some of the Web Warriors, which I find is very interesting. You know what I mean? Like a character that can just literally get across the board and i just I, I find that to be fun exciting and simultaneously terrifying all of those things at the same time you know <laughs> so since we spoiled it already the next superpower we have is an active superpower nobody ever accused the rhino of good manners it's going to cost you three power choose an interactive terrain feature of size four or less and within range two and throw it medium. 
this superpower can be used only once per turn. So we have a throw, and it's a size three throw. So yeah, you only have these couple of things to spend your power on, and yeah, I, I just I'm reading this card, Merzane, and I'm I'm just thinking, what are you gonna do against this character? I think I know what I'm what I, what I would do against this character. Um, yeah. We'll talk about that when we get to the end of it. Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end. But he he has a size four terrain throw, so that's awesome. I love that, and it's one of those things where it's like when you read this and you don't see the word character, you're like a little bit disappointed. But at the same time, if you had a character throw on this model, he'd be a si he'd be a, th a five threat. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. <laughs> I mean, just yeah, that'd be nuts. So yeah, size size four is so much damage into something. Exactly. It's it's a lot of damage. It's five incoming damage that the only thing you can do is roll your defense dice. I think that's one of the things that we sometimes forget about whenever we talk about throws. And I mean, we as a community sometimes maybe is is that a size four terrain throw, even a size three, but especially size four terrain throw is nothing to scoff at. Because, yeah, there's only maybe one or two size four pieces of terrain on your board at a time. But being able to get to those, have access to those, to, to be able to interact with those, that is a, a five damage incoming into a character that maybe only has three defense. Maybe doesn't have any access to Brace for Impact at that point in the game. Who knows? But either way, it's just, it's so much. It's so much. If you've played against Brotherhood, you'll know it just crushes you. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. So, Merzane, would you like to cover the last three superpowers? Since you only had one thing to say, you know, only, only the <laughs> one superpower, I figured maybe you could take the last three here. One very sad regular attack. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so the first one he's got is aggressive. Uh, it's a, The rest are all going to be... The uh, innate superpowers, they'll continue a symbol. Um, aggressive is a, is a power we've seen a few times uh, with this name. So if you're familiar with Crossbones uh, or She-Hulk, you'll know what this does. After an attack, targeting this character is resolved. If this character suffered damage, they may advance short towards the attacking character. Uh, I believe this is the first one on a 65 millimeter large base to have this though you're right uh so that's a lot of real estate to move when someone smags you yeah it is like again if you've played with a character like hulk if you've played with a character like juggernaut you'll understand and be able to visualize this as we're discussing it if you haven't a short move plus that big base is a little bit longer than a medium move stick so if you think about that in, in the context there, if you attack Rhino, and we've already talked about how far he can get across the board, if you attack Rhino, he's coming. Like, oh, Lord, he coming. And yeah. when I see this, combined with Stampede, combined with Gore and its placement, like, and he's on the 65-millimeter base. We talked about he's a chonky boy. I think about that episode in uh, Family Guy when Stewie's following around people with a tuba, and he's going... Stop it. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> that's that's the, what I think about with Rhino. It's like you see Rhino on the other side of the board, and, and like that sound is just like, he's coming. 
you better just get ready because oh lord he coming the only difference is he'll actually outrun chris in this because he's super yeah, fast he will. <laughs> and for some reference with this um with this aggressive movement on a well range two for him doesn't matter if you get shot by a range four attack you get within range two of someone uh like i said does it really matter but that's kind of like a, a visualization for you how close he'll get and if he's at the end of a size five when he moves forward he'll be able to be he'll be able to attack back uh with his range three attack oh that's so spicy. like basically if you could attack rhino and he aggressives he'll be able to attack you back no questions asked that's crazy dude is, is it just me am i the only one that's like that's nuts it's pretty cool i don't know maybe maybe i i need to to see it i guess but like to me that just sounds it just sounds like a lot it sounds like a lot and as we you know you got two more superpowers to read especially the last one i'm just I, i'm just this picture's being painted of like for the love of god <laughs> you know what i mean he he definitely feels unstoppable like which like is very thematic right cuz yeah rhino just runs around like an idiot the entire time anyone fights him that's it yeah he just runs around like an idiot so what's the next superpower we're saying the next one is ornery another innate superpower when this character is damaged by an enemy or allied effect after the effect is resolved it is not if it is not dazed it gains one power i i think the only character with a power similar to this is sin mm -hmm. but it's not called ornery it's called you know probably something sadistic and weird <laughs> uh yeah but so everything on his card so far tells me uh please hit him like i'm gonna put him up in the middle of war and just be like please enemy friend hit him kill right. him frenemy yeah frenemy is like yes frenemy please beat me up a little bit let me gain some power and then also hey mordo that ferocity of sidorak that does one damage excellent just just, True. just bring it on, buddy. Let's let's just go ahead and do a seven dice gore, followed by a stampede. And I took one damage. I get a power. So like my stampede's super online. And now, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. Like I'm just over here. Like I I, I think in terms of convocation characters, sorry, y'all, a lot of times. And when I see Mordo and it's like the penalty of taking the one damage after using Ferocity of Sidorak, I'm over here like, man, it's not much of a penalty on Rhino. Right. Yeah. Uh, you can also notably get this on stuff like Mr. Sinister's uh, card, the forced extraction. Um, yeah. And also, would it also work on Black Bifrost? From an enemy effect or allied effect? Yeah, when you're damaged by an allied effect. I mean, it is an allied effect, so. Yeah, that's true, because I'm, I'm just now remembering that... Uh, Thanos can't use, I think it's can't specifically use an enemy black by frost. Yeah. Because he takes one less damage from enemy effects across the board. And the, the cost for going through it is uh, taking a damage and he can't do it. That's funny. That's pretty good. <laughs> but I, as the, as the game goes on, I'm sure we'll see many more uh, little things. You could also trigger this with like beaming over him. So like you yep. beam someone and he's in the way he's going to get an ornery. Uh, like there's going to be lots of little cheeky ways to give him an extra power before he activates. Yeah. I, I really like it. I think that's kind of fun. Uh, and what's the last one? 
the last one is the one that ties everything together. Uh, the one that makes everything make sense. Uh, it's another innate superpower called Rhino Hide. And it is when this character would suffer damage from an enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one. So invulnerable for those who know what that is. Zane, I just, I, I gotta say. Why don't the Sentinels have this? Why don't the Sentinels have this? Like, even if I had to pay for it, like, pay, let me, make me pay a power for it. Seriously. Like, uh, <laughs> it's so frustrating that you've got these, uh, you know what? We're not talking about Sentinels, we're talking about Rhino. This is awesome, by the way. This is, this is very cool. And we talked about those defenses earlier. I mean, if you've played against Iron Man, if you've played against Luke Cage, if you've played against Corvus, Proxima, all of these characters with some kind of, you know, reduced by one to a minimum of one, if you don't just get lucky, and let's say their dice, their defense dice are just slightly above average, good luck. I, I can't tell no. you how many times I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw six dice into Iron Man and... Cool, that should be enough. One damage. Because he blocked two and and then reduced by one, so there you go. I mean, how many times does that happen to you, Brzezane? Or how, I mean, I know you played Iron Man quite a bit, so, you know. All the that. time. <laughs> so, uh, I mean... Playing against our, our friend Justin, I can't tell you how many times I have heard the phrase, block one, tank one, take one. He's like, yeah, I'm going to block one. I'm going to negate one with uh, my invulnerable ability. And I'm only going to take one. And I'm like, I thought that was a good attack. I know. I right? guess I was wrong. And that's what I'm saying on Rhino here. Like, like, okay, he's got seven stamina. He's got average defenses against the majority of deep. Like, obviously, Mystic is, you know, not everybody's going to have a ton of Mystic. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you put someone that has access, easy access, I should say, to mystic attacks like Strange or Voodoo. Is a, Voodoo is a very popular character. I'm, I'm trying to think of, of other, like, well-suited you know, suited mystic attackers. Look, it's not a good idea because you're going to be in his range as it is. And if you have a Mordo, a, a, an Ancient One, Ancient One might be the only one that would be okay, maybe. Because for the reroll, but even then, I don't think so. Uh, Strange, any of these characters, especially out of affiliation, Voodoo, they only have two to four physical defense. Voodoo's case four when he's got his brother Daniel. So like, just it seems like a bad idea to like really try to make an effort to line up. Like, okay, I see Rhino over there. I'm gonna put Voodoo over here, and and we're gonna just try to mystic him down. I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. It's not. I, I don't think there's ever really good times to hit Rhino. It's almost like Juggernaut. Like You're probably better suited doing anything else with your action than attacking Juggernaut, unless you just know you can get him down for some reason. Right. Uh, and it's, I think it's a little bit easier to get Juggernaut down sometimes. Uh, like Mystique, for example, is a really good way to take Juggernaut down because he can't use his little uh, his negate damage thing. Yeah. Uh, but you can't stop Rhino. He's just going to keep doing it. He's just going to keep doing it. And when, again, when you look at the total package here, I see a character that is going to be a handful on the tabletop. And 
when we think about like affiliations that he could be in and stuff like that, I mean, obviously he's going to be in Spider Foes. I don't. I think if they don't put him in Spider Foes, uh, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. But is there anywhere else significant that you think he could end up? Uh, well, like the fate of every big tanky boy, I think Criminal Syndicate's one that people are going to look at. Yeah, I've noticed uh, that on Cerebro it has him listed as Criminal Syndicate and Spider Foes. Is there? Has it been revealed that he's in both of those? I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> if yeah. he has, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't mean, read his entire, I typically uh, scroll down to the part with the card on the blurb and don't, uh, yeah. don't look at the rest of it. Same, same. Let's see what the full but description I mean, says. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. It does say that in the description on the Asmodee site, a powerful option in the spider foes and criminal syndicate affiliations. Well, there you have it. <laughs> there you have it. So, Merzane, let's let's talk about both of these affiliations and what Rhino brings to them. So the Spider-Foes affiliation, Oscorp Weaponry, once per turn while an allied character is attacking during the modify opponent's dice step, it may re-roll one opposing defense die. We talked about how Ornery, after a stampede, seven dice. I mean, you're going to be putting down a lot of stuff with that and then you yep. add that into the spider foes affiliation where you can re-roll an opposing defense die and we already know that the math on that is pretty good thanks to jacob over there at xavier protocols i it's he's gonna be a pretty good beater and if i'm playing spider foes i'm like i'm buying this rhino box no questions asked yeah i i think that he is going to be a very important fourth threat in spider foes i think like you look at him and you look at someone like Carnage, right? And yeah. Carnage is like the exact opposite. He's just this uh, super destructive, like glass cannon. Oh, yeah. Uh, get him in. He murders a bunch of guys and then he probably dies. This guy, he's going to go in and he's just not going to die. And he's probably just going to keep laying damage on people consistently over the course of the game. Yeah. And and taking the attention away from your other characters, I think, is is one of his roles on the tabletop. It's like when I think about it, you know, Rhino, he's clearly got mobility. And I know this is probably what you're gonna say. One thing you could do is ignore him. Cool. Ignore him. He's still gonna be more mobile than you think. I I I envision him being more mobile than you think. And I think the idea would be to limit his access to Stampede. You do that by not attacking him and trying to use terrain to your advantage and stuff like that if you can. But I still think he's going to get there. And I still think that uh, there's not much you're going to be able to do to stop it. Like trying to maybe use cover, stuff like that. It's going to be very important. But I don't, I mean, I don't know, Brazane. Like, I think he's going to get his. And if if you ignore him, he's still going to be a problem. And it's you, you want him to be rolling five dice instead of seven dice as much as possible. Am I right? Yeah. And you're right. My, my biggest criticism of him is that you can ignore him. Uh, his, his method of play is please beat me up uh, so that I can do my cool stuff. And if you just don't beat him up, he loses a lot of his cool stuff. 
so it's kind of contingent on your opponent giving it to you. But like you said, like if you just ignore him, there is the potential he'll just keep popping off. And eventually you'll get to a point where you have to deal with him anyway. And then he starts doing his cool stuff. Probably in like a later game simplified board state where like you really don't want to be giving him extra power. Which I think like for me, one of my one of the things I dislike about looking at his card is that he doesn't have a cool spender. Yeah. But I, the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, well, like in that situation where it's late game and he's hard to deal with. If he had a really good spender like Juggernaut does, like that may just be a little bit too much. Like push him over the top or like he's been healthy the whole time because the counterplay is to ignore him. And then you get to the point where you can't. And then he has a bajillion power and just unloads it on two guys and kills them. Right. And I mean, if you think about it, his spender more or less is Stampede. Like, sort of, yeah. More or less, it functions like a spender. It takes uh, what would be a five dice attack and makes it seven dice. And then it adds a medium push on there. So, like, you know, all of that. Like, if you take it in, in that context, Stampede is the spender. You're just trying to do it more often than you would a standard spender because of the mobility aspect of it. With that being said, though, so let's let's play out this ignore him idea. So, you ignore him. Turn one, he doesn't interact with anything. He has one power. Turn two, he gets another power. He makes a gore attack. Potentially... If he starts within range three, he makes a gore attack. If he doesn't start within range three, then he has to move, make a gore attack, and cool. So then you've slowed him down for two turns, which is good. That's good. But then turn three, the way I envision it is he's going to have the power no matter what. And once he does, and again, it's gonna you've got to be able to to mitigate him those first couple rounds, sure. But once he's got that power, and once you're in that mid-game, if you aren't going to win. In turn three, he's going to be a load to deal with because by then the chain will will roll. I feel like right, like yeah. cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna start the turn with three power. Maybe he did a gore attack earlier and he got another power off of that. She's got like four power, and then he's going to be able to stampede, get some power back, stampede again. Maybe throw something like, and I mean stampede on a later round, all that stuff. But like. You know, just, I feel like, and we don't even know what his tax cards do yet at the time of recording. So, it's one of those things where I, I just, I don't see any good way of dealing with this character. Because ignoring him is definitely an option, but I don't think it's a long-term solution for for uh, for your game, right? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely uh have a plan. I think conditions on him are going to be good. Shock, stuff like that, like incinerate, all of that stuff. The obviously good ones are going to be good, I feel like, with Rhino. So, you know, use that to your advantage. Um, let's also talk about the criminal syndicate affiliation because I think that's worth mentioning here since we know he's affiliated there. And we mentioned the mobility earlier. No secure is safe. No, it's not. <laughs> like... Like, Kingpin and Rhino are going to be best friends because, oh, cool, you left Wong over there on that Infinity Formula? Guess who's coming? Me. That's right. That's right. Oh, you thought it was safe? It is not. It is not safe. So, yeah. And then I, one other thing I think is interesting is his illicit network. Like, if someone's been attacking, or the illicit network is the name of the thing, but, like, the pass-off 
uh, asset or civilian tokens thing. Because let's just, people have been attacking Rhino. He's got his ornery going. He's got some damage going. He's got some power from some gores. Sitting on a boatload of power. I mean, the ability for him to, to pass off an objective token, I think is really interesting. And it's, it's a part of the Kingpin leadership that we don't see used very often, but I think Rhino, again, given game state and situations, could have a reason to use it. Oh, yeah. And uh, like, we, like we talked about earlier, like Criminal Syndicate loves big boys you don't want to hit and then get punished if you hit and then get punished if you don't. Yeah. And I think like early on, a lot of people were bringing Black Dwarf. If you remember that. Oh, I do remember big that. Boy. Yeah. Uh, he replaces Black Dwarf. Uh, may and I think like people are also bringing Juggernaut. He'll be like mini Juggernaut for for Criminal Syndicate. Well, I mean, I remember when Juggernaut first came out, they were like, "Man, if this guy's affiliated with Criminal Syndicate, watch out." And he wasn't, which is good. But like now, you have what fits the style of Criminal Syndicate, and it's like baby Jugs. Like it's like Jugs point five. The son of Jugs. <laughs> yeah, like the son of Jugs. So like, you know, when you see that and, and you think about it in those terms, I mean, yeah, it's pretty nasty. And then let's also remember there's another leadership for Criminal Syndicate, and that's the Shadowlands Daredevil re-roll, contesting objectives, stuff like that. I don't think he's bad there either. Granted, I think a lot no. of times the, the idea is to play wider with Shadowlands, but I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Yeah, he's like an interesting flex for that. You typically want to bring, like you said, the the hyper aggressive lower th threat characters, but I could see there being instances where you're like, I just want a guy that can dive the back line. Right. And especially given the way some of these new crises are set up and everything, I mean, it's 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 pretty nasty. Yeah, it's um it's pretty good. And even like we, we've talked about him getting to secures and, and um, like objectives and stuff. We're like completely discounting the fact that like more and more characters like, you know, Baron Mordo, uh, like those little support characters that kind of sit back and passively or actively give buffs to the front or just shoot or like sit around and shoot like at the midline. Yeah. Or the back line. Like sometimes you have a lot of trouble getting access to those kind of characters. And Rhino has near perfect access to all of those kinds of characters. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's going to be great at just like medium move, short move, gore, uh, and then throwing a size four building at something like a Bucky. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's going to be crazy. And when we think about like other places he could go, right, like other other leaderships, other things like that. I mean, the the standard of everybody's good in Avengers, Guardians with their rerolls, Cabal with the power generation, all of that stuff, I think is, it's standard. Is there any other like dark horse spot you could see him slotting in? Uh, well, he's on a big base, so he's good in convocation, right? Oh, oh yes. Like, uh, <laughs> he doesn't get a benefit from ironbound books, but I don't think you need it with him. No, not always. Um, X-Men I think is interesting you know, a big base to hop over and then also him being extremely mobile himself. Yep. Um, winter guard is the one winter guards thing is like occasionally when you try to push him off something, he doesn't get pushed. Right. Yeah. And then they have a, uh, can remove a condition at the start of their activation. 
Yeah, that's probably a pretty decent place for him. Yeah, I mean, um, he literally replaces the bear. Yeah. I mean, bear. look, Ursa Major's looking at Rhino like, the hell, bro? Yeah, I, I don't, like, that's a lot of places for him to be. The, I can't think of, like, other ones he's, I don't think Brotherhood. Maybe Brotherhood, he likes the power, but there's probably better options for Brotherhood. I agree, I, but I I will say, if you do put him in Brotherhood, I think it's interesting, like, as from a threat value perspective, right? Like, Juggernaut and Magneto are pretty much stapled together. However, let's say you get a weird threat value. I don't know what that would be, but let's say you get a threat value. You have Rhino in your list. Being able to say, okay, well, I'm going to swap out Juggernaut for Rhino here and still be able to do the whole break in something, you know, get stuff thing. You know what I mean? Like Juggernaut's got better access to whole, like to turn one, break something, give the power around. But I still think that there's at least an argument there that you could make. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things where this is one of those characters that I feel like has extreme splash ability. And, and I don't think that there's really a bad, a truly bad place for him. Maybe the uh, Cyclops X-Men <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it doesn't really work there. Like, that's that's probably it. I mean, like, even Sentinels, which I keep coming back to, I don't know why. Uh, Sentinels is not a bad spot for him, because once you get that daze, being able to get the power and all of that stuff seems really good. You know, Asgard seems like a good spot with being able to get the heals, remove the conditions, that kind of stuff seems good. Even maybe Shield. I, I think Shield, also because you can get the the double aggressive option right like you could if you're yep. down on or if you're equal to that's what it is if you're equal to or more then you can get the the aggressive and then and a follow-up aggressive there which i think is interesting but the interesting part about shield is shield mobile being able to shield mobile a rhino sounds <laughs> so dumb no. no don't do that no don't do that it sounds awesome it's so far. It's like a hell on wheels. Exactly. Exactly. And that sounds just amazing. And so, yeah, I, I definitely see him slotting into many, many places. And and I don't think you'll be disappointed putting Rhino on the table. And, you know, he's obviously susceptible to the things that everyone is susceptible to, like extreme burst damage. You know, someone like a Malekith is going to, you know, do decent into a rhino not great like you're not gonna be able to one-shot him but you should at least do decent into a rhino but you know other than that outside of that like hulk maybe maybe the new red skull master of hydra is is gonna be decent into him but it's it's he's gonna be a he's gonna be a tough character to deal with yeah he is uh notably something i think you'll think is funny uh, I was thinking about him in uh, A-Force. Because uh, A-Force, if other people get hit, he'll get power for it. Yep. So if you ignore him and attack other people, he's still getting power. Yeah. But if you do decide to attack him, he'll get extra power and give it to someone else. Or give one to someone else, too. Right, exactly. Like, I, I definitely feel like that A-Force is a spot for him. Like, you put him and She-Hulk as, like, a 10-threat core, and it's, like, on Gamma or something? Oh, God. This sounds so awesome. That sounds so awesome. I hate it so much, but I love it. But I hate it. But I love it. And oh man, so like 
here's here's a fun little combo. Uh, so Kingpin, Sin, and Rhino, and being able to like, I don't know. I think Sin's really cool, and like having like a little bit of a wide list with Kingpin and Rhino as your four threat big guys. You know, I don't know. I think that could be something kind of fun there. I don't. That sounds. That's probably too stupid, but it sounds fun. I don't know. Rhinos in school. Rhinos in school. Just yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see him hit the table. I don't know, like, where I'm going to see him first in my local group, but it's going to be somewhere obnoxious. Well, let's let's take a step back for a second. Like, let's just, I'm going to come down off the, he's really probably way good train, and just say that, like, four threat is a hard spot in terms of, like, out of affiliation characters, right? Obviously, he's got two notable affiliations in Spider-Foes and Criminal Syndicate where he can slot in, no problem, set it, forget it. But splashing a four threat is a lot harder, I feel like, unless like you have a very specific reason for that character being there, right? So, for instance, splashing a Dr. Voodoo makes a lot of sense because of the way he interacts with objectives and stuff like that. Splashing a Medusa in a Web Warriors makes a lot of sense because of her control and, and stuff like that. But when you look at a character like Rhino, it's like, let's say your your mobility is a hard thing for you. Well, Rhino can get around that in some ways. And splashing a Rhino into something like a Hydra, especially a Strucker-led Hydra, it could be pretty legit. Being able to move conditions off if they do put conditions on you, I think is pretty strong. Having a Zola to back you up with some rerolls or something, yeah, okay, you're going to get bled, but cool. You know, and then if you also think about the Red Skull Master of Hydra version during the power phase, allied characters gain one power if they're holding or contesting an objective token. I mean, you want to power Rhino up, there you go. So I think that he's going to be able to splash, and even in the places where it's like, ooh, I don't know about splashing him there, I think he still plays pretty good. So, yeah, I, I think like he'll be splashed as Like, if you want, People who would like splash Juggernaut, right? Um, I feel like can can find reasons to splash this. He's not the same as Juggernaut exactly, but if like you're looking for someone mobile, you're you're gonna probably be able to look at him and be like, hmm, maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. So any other final thoughts on Rhino and and I mean I know when he was first revealed, everybody was kind of meh. Like, it seemed like the conversation was eh. But, like, I'm reading this card. I'm projecting, obviously, a little theory crafting and talking to some people that have had some games with him and stuff and and thinking about how he is going to perform on the tabletop. And, like, I mean, dice are going to dice, but in an overall sense, I think he's going to be a real factor. Yeah, I think that... um. I think you won't see him all over the place, but I think when you do, when you do see him, he's, he's going to be a big deal. He's going to be doing a lot. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So Merzane, let's now pivot and discuss a brand new crisis. So we've got scrolls infiltrate world leadership. It's now a 20 threat crisis up from 17 you place four scroll agents as shown on the map J and one VP for each scroll agent held by a character they control during the cleanup phase. You have an interact ability 
pick up this scroll agent. A character can only hold one scroll agent at a time. Then roll dice equal to the character's physical defense. If the result does not contain one or more critical or wild results, the opposing player pushes this character short. So you immediately resolve this when you pick up the scroll agent, which I think is really huge. And another thing I want to note real quick in case we have some newer players out there, the interactability does not cost you an action. You just pay one power. Anytime you see the word interact, you pay one power and you do the thing, whatever the thing says. So keep that in mind. But how do you feel that this ability kind of shakes up your thought process on, on this crisis? Because there's only four of these tokens on the board. I think it's very good. Um, also, what did you say what layout this is? I don't remember. It's map J. So there's two that are kind of on the wing and then two in the middle kind of straight down Main Street, but one's on one side and one's on the other side of the midline. Sort of like uh, if uh, the middle point on a C like separated. Exactly. Like right. if it did yeah, multiple that's, that's man in Marvel Snap and like <laughs> to get that I'll reference. Snap. Yes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I have a problem. I'm not laughing. <laughs> not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Um, I like that it's a thing that happens when you pick it up because I feel like we didn't really have a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and not an upkeep thing, right? Because like stuff like cubes doesn't really get forgotten very often, but like deadly legacy virus removing a condition got forgotten a lot. Yeah. Uh, hammers doing the uh, what is it? The uh, extra, extra power, power cost for tactics cards right. gets forgotten a lot. Um. It being something that happens once and it's done is very cool. Um, and then it also being something really, really detrimental that makes you think, hmm, do I want to pick this up? Exactly. <laughs> is is really good. I, I like the idea of um, extracts that can punish you a little bit. Um, I think it really discourages like grab and go strategies where you just like grab it and run to a corner. And this is one of the ways that, that it, like it'll actively help you get around it oh absolutely um, your opponent rolls poorly and you push it back toward their li your line and then like you get the one chance to kill them but it's not like spider it, it, it also differentiates it from spider infected where spider infected is every turn uh this one is once but also potentially more punishing because it's it could be like after their second action and they have no other way to get away mm -hmm. that's exactly it it's it's a very interesting thing, and especially on that opening turn, if you double move to go pick this up, and then all of a sudden you're short moving into the opponent's area of effect, I guess you could say, <laughs> like, like okay, cool, well now my whole team's going to try to dump on you and take an extract advantage. I find that to be very interesting. And then when I think about other characters that could make some kind of interesting use of this, it's like, I mentioned it before today, but I'll bring him up here again. And that's Mordo, who has a very specific rule where if he is pushed, he can then spend two power and go back himself. You know what I mean? Like he can remove himself short. And yeah. I think something like that could be really interesting. Like later in the game, if you think about in those terms, you, you find a character like that 
that has a little ability of some kind, you know, and I think that could be, that could be kind of fun. And, and Mordo is an example of a character really has two physical defense, but he's not as bad as long as you have that two power on him to use the vaulting boots of Valtor. And it's one of those things where every time I get pushed by a spider infected, I, I'm sorry, every time I get advanced <laughs> by a spider infected, I always want to use this, but then I'm like, no, no, it's an advance. It's no push. He said no push. So I think stuff like that is really interesting that you can use to your advantage throughout a game and stuff like that. But yeah, I didn't even think about that interaction. Uh, one interaction that people may think is an interaction that's not an interaction is Juggernaut can be pushed, even though it's an enemy push because he only does superpowers and enemy mystic attacks. Correct. Yeah. And he's neither of those. So keep that in mind when someone's like, I'm going to push your Juggernaut. They exactly. Can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's other characters that say they can't be advanced by enemy superpowers or mystic attacks. And I think the Sentinels is one of them. That's still going to, they're still going to get pushed on this one. And, and it's crit and wild. So unless you're rolling five physical defense or something, I mean, it's not a guarantee. Even then it's not a guarantee, but I'm just saying like, you know, the most, most physicals are three to four. So I would expect like pick this up and expect to move. Yeah. I I think that's the truth. You're going to pick it up and you just have to be like, well, I'm getting pushed somewhere uncomfortable. Yeah. Now, when we talk about this and and we're looking at this, it's 20 threat. Do you feel like that this is a crisis designed to like have those chonky boys, have someone that can that can stand up to a little bit of pressure? Is that like how you would want to build your list if you have this in it? Um, maybe that or someone who can like escape, something like an Angela. I think gets a lot of stock or oh, an Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. You know, they can run up to the middle, grab it. Yep. And I then don't run away. Re- can, um, can like long move short, uh, long move small bases, the 35 millimeter. Can they grab this point in one move? So they can grab the close one. So like, th- right. If you look at the map, Jay, again, imagine like a squished diamond and like a, a, a D map, but where the ones that are your home for you and your opponent are squished really close to the midline. Imagine that. So a long move, 35 millimeter base, I'm pretty sure can get to that one that's closest to you. They cannot get to the midline, though. Okay. So if they can get to your closer one and then they get pushed short back, like the long moving stealth people seem really valuable here. Oh, yeah. Because they'll be able to like get in and get out. Does Viper finally have a place to play? Viper may be like kind of cool in the new changes, honestly. <laughs> Maybe not the best, but I feel like yeah, okay. I am currently measuring it. Yes, you can. Uh, you can totally grab the middle point. There you go. And then just get pushed short towards your opponent. I go cool. I'm gonna like run back behind a building or something. There you go. There you go. Real time analysis right there. So measure this out, Merzane. Does two medium moves? get you to your opponent's far, far side, you know, that they're what would be because they're their close one. Yeah. Can I go, can I go steal my opponent's thing? Exactly. I think the answer Uh, is yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. So 
So that's a, an interesting gambit that you can take playing this crisis is, okay, maybe you have a Proxima Midnight or or someone that's got some damage. A, a, I don't know if a Rhino could do it on the short moves, but someone that's got some juice to them, someone that can stand up, can has a little damage reduction, a little, you know, whatever, and now they can double move, go steal, like a Lizard, Lizard is a very popular choice for like running across the board and stealing your friend's extract, right? Or I say your friend, yes, your enemy's extract, frenemy. Yeah, your frenemy's extract. So you run across, you steal that. So like a character like Lizard, I think would be a good option to double move, go grab this scroll, and if he gets pulled into your opponent's line, I mean, you gotta just kind of take it. But he's a decent character to take it. Also funny, Lizard can just single move up to your point grab it and then move away too. Also funny. Hilarious. It's hilarious. What makes that fun is it, you know, I think about it in convocation terms. So that means voodoo or strange could do that as well. Or Mordo yeah. could also do that. All of the above. All Anyone of the on above. a medium base, medium move. So here's a fun fact with Mordo. This is just, again, I just what you can do with Mordo. If you line them up in the middle, you can... On your first action, generate two power for yourself. So then you would have three power turn one. You can move, interact with the thing. If you get pushed, then you can use the vaulting boots to push and and get back to safety. So you don't, you know, you could double move, grab and move away again, but you could also be a little weird and do things that way, like I just said. And then if you don't end up getting pushed, you're chilling with two power and you can buff up somebody's attack with a ferocity of Sidorak. So... Yeah, little things. Hashtag options. Hashtag <laughs> options indeed. So I like how we're, we're talking about all these different ways to do this, but let's say as the game is going on, I mean, it's one point per round and there's only four of them. So, you know, provided what the secure is, I think it's probably an average scoring game. So you can't just rest on your laurels. Like, I think you have to definitely go get these things. But also... Let's not forget, once your opponent drops them from being dazed, you have to do the interactability again. Yep. So it could put you in a detrimental position. Like you say, okay, well, I'm going to place this token over here out of range of somebody. Oh, well, guess what? Now I have to roll my physical. I don't hit a critter or a wild, and now I'm getting pushed. Yeah, and, or like you, you're you're on a point with somebody, and they you double attack into them. They drop it, you pick it up, and then they push you off the point, and you're not going to score anymore. Oof. Oof. Big oof. Like, that's oof so level. Maybe, you, oof. maybe you're like, is it better to hold the secure or pick up the, the thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, yeah, that's one I don't have an answer for, Merzane, and I think the answer is, it depends. <laughs> yeah. Something like an infinity formula you probably want to sit next to. Uh, but maybe like a like a demon portal, you're like, I don't mind leaving this. Right, right, exactly. And it, I think it's interesting because, like, there's also an argument of do you pick up the scroll even, right? And, yep. you know, I, I had a, a valuable lesson learned in a match recently against Brad, actually, where I was like, okay, I did the measuring. I was like, all right, this, this extract is safe. And I forgot that Toad interacts at range two, not range one. And I walked away from it thinking I'm going to be able to get it with another character. And then here comes Toad just bebopping over, immortal Toad you know, takes it and I never got it back. 
And and yeah, that was the difference in the game. So, you know, not always safe. Just keep that in mind. But Rizane, are there any other like interesting interactions? Like any other like maybe strategies with this crisis that you can think of? Uh, not for this one yet. I I haven't played this one quite yet. Like there's so many new changes. It's hard to get to all of them, but I haven't gotten to this one yet. That's true. Um, I will say the weird thing to me is that um, previously all of the starter box crises, because that's what I want to call them, uh, were 17 points across the board. And this was one of them. Mm-hmm. And now it is the only one that's not. 17 points, making it not a uniform set. I think that's kind of strange, but yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't think it really points to anything. It's just an interesting thing to think about. Like, hmm, you're putting cool. a 20 threat in your uh, starter box. Yeah, pretty much. And and when I think about a 20 threat crisis, I mean, it's something that, I mean, that's a big deal. That's either an extremely wide list or an extremely tall list. And I don't think that this particular crisis favors one over the other. I think that, you know, wide Shadowlands Daredevil or wide shield is interesting. I actually think that grunts are a terrible idea with this crisis, personally, because, like, let's, let's play that out for a second. What do you do with your grunts? You run up, you grab a thing, and then they only have one die if they are the shield dudes, I think they have one physical. And if they are yep. the uh, Shadowlands Daredevil ninjas, I think they only have one physical. So you're, I mean, one in eight chance, or maybe a little better than that, since you can count wilds too. I don't know what the math is there, but it's not good. The math is equals not good. So, well, here, here's the thing. Here's the secret sauce, right? You just roll a critter wild on the one die. Mm. That's, that's a secret. That's that's all you got to do. You've unlocked it. You've unlocked it. But I'm that's just saying, if you don't roll that, and then you're getting pushed short into your opponent's zone, you're you know the the ninjas probably are less bad about it. But then you just gave your opponent an extract. I mean, that's what you did. You just gave your opponent an extract. But then the the shield grunts are probably the the worst option. Because if they get pushed outside of that range three of Nick Fury, then Nick Fury is not getting the benefits that he normally would being closed. Because you don't really care so much about the grunts taking the damage. Like you don't want to lose your grunts, but you also don't care so much about them taking the damage because they're able to give Fury power and power up eye in the sky, stuff like that. But when they're out of that range three, it's less good. So I feel like, you know, this is something where if you're, plan is to play shield this is definitely an extract that you want to think twice about i don't know i'm thinking the opposite like my grunts can come and pick up my my middle one get pushed and then move medium back and then the the shield grunts even if i decided to go for my opponents like uh matt could tell you the same thing like you get to place where the uh the dropped token where you want and mm-hmm. you can just put it somewhere where it's like inconvenient and make them waste waste resources getting to it. It's not the worst. I'd probably pick up mine and not theirs, but if I ever wanted to pick up theirs for some reason, like they're probably like not as bad as it feels. Maybe. I don't know. For me, see, I think of it in the other terms of like 
just getting that short push. And you're right to the, to the point of, like we talked about with the 50 millimeter base on a medium move, being able to get straight to that home one in one move definitely matters, but you're still going to be able to be interacted with at certain ranges and the, yeah, okay. Make him place it where, where you can place it as a shield player. You, you get to choose where it's placed. If the grunts go down, great. But that also could inconvenience you, like if you aren't playing wide enough and your opponent's playing wider, and let's say they have someone like a Bucky who can shoot them and potentially finish them off, but now there's just an extract laying there on the ground and you're not scoring that point. Your opponent's not scoring it too, but now you have to spend those resources to bring your grunts back instead of for eye in the sky, stuff like that. I could see that being detrimental. And oh yeah. And then again, like if you're if you're Going for that midline one, and you do get pushed short. The range two placement is still shorter than the short move. So, like, even though you, as the shield player, get to place it down in an inconvenient spot, it's still closer to your opponent at that point. And yeah, they have to waste resources going to get it, but VPs are VPs. Yeah. So it's true. I I think it's one of those things where it's fun when we have these different some philosophies on things because it shows that there is not one right answer. Whereas like me, I would feel like hesitant to play either of those characters and those strategies on this crisis. Whereas you feel like it might be a potential strength. And I think that that's one of those things that for each player, they just have to figure out what works for them on the tabletop with this crisis. I mean, obviously I haven't played every single affiliation and every single character on this crisis. I've gotten a game or two in here but it's one of those things where, you know, you've got to got to see what works for you and and what level of risk you're willing to manage with these with this crisis. I think. Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, with that, Brzee, do you have any other thoughts on the scrolls infiltrating the world leadership? Uh, no. Uh, other than it is way better than it was before. Um, removing the single extract extracts from the game. Well, not removing them, changing them into something that's not single extract was probably my favorite change AMG has ever made because I hate those crises. Oh, 100%. Uh, I, I, it makes me so happy that, that, that it is like this and not one scroll now. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I think this is a much more fun, much more interactive thing. And, and the setup on it is unique and interesting in that there's definitely some strategies that you could employ to to try different stuff like and if you still got it up Merzane, why don't you do a little measurement on an eyes on the prize like dr strange could he go and get your opponents on just one move while using the range two tool it's like good I, I don't think so but give me one second that could be that could be a fun little interaction i think and and one where you know, I've played Eyes on the Prize quite a bit for like hammers and stuff and having access to another crisis where it's more useful, I think is pretty strong and pretty good. And it forces your opponent to come to you a little more, which I think is good. Uh, he cannot. Uh, but someone, I think on a big base with a medium move can. Okay. Potentially. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, so someone... No, they can't. So it's like perfectly positioned. Where you're almost always double moving to get your opponent's thing. Man, it's like they tested this. 
It's almost like it was on purpose. Almost like it was on purpose. I mean, I, I wonder if something like an Angela on with eyes on the prize, because she starts with two powers, so you spend one power for eyes, and then you'll spend one power to interact. I bet she could do it. I I think she can. Yeah. Uh, like I'm almost certain. I'm not saying that's a good strategy. I'm just saying it's a strategy available to you and something that I, if you do it, like if you're playing Asgard, like I wouldn't just put Angela in your list just to just to do this. But like if you're playing Asgard, man, that would be spicy. It is something you can do, by the way. <laughs> there you go. You are in range. Spicy. Like that is, I think that's really good, actually. But that's, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm over-exaggerating. Anyways, Merzane, we've run long. Let's get out of here and enjoy the rest of our day. And uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the Gamers Guild podcast, where we talk about uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol and stuff. And stuff and things. Cool. So, Suits, make sure to go check that out. Give them some love over there. I know uh, Nate is chomping at the bit to get started back in January. Like, he's happy for the break, but I know he's also very excited to get back in action in January and beyond because of his favorite character coming into the game. So that's going to be pretty fun. Uh, and then also make sure to check out battlekiwi.com and use the promo code PARTYKIWI, all one word, PARTYKIWI, and you'll get 10% off your first order over there. Their battle boxes are legit and awesome. And Merzane, you can speak to that, right? Yep, I got mine in and it is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where of all the purchases I've made for MCP outside of the models, right, all the little accessory purchases and all that stuff, it's probably my favorite one. And no BS, like, they aren't paying me to promote them or anything like that. It is just, it is great. It is a great thing for events, for keeping things organized, all of that stuff. Highly recommend Party Kiwi is the promo code at battlekiwi.com. There is a link in the description. Also, we are doing a giveaway, and this will be the last episode for you to get your secret code words in and everything like that. And we're going to be closing off the, the code words and all of that stuff. I originally said Christmas, so December 25th. But you know what? I'll give you guys until the 26th, the day after Christmas to get your code words in because I got to do my recording and all that stuff and announce our winner, all of that fun stuff. So today will be the last secret code word you get. If you've been sending me messages and stuff like that, have no fear. I got all that stuff. It's all, all in my thing. I just have to respond to everybody and let them know I got them, but I do have them. Do not worry. And, um, if you want to get some extra bonus entries, you can check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash House Party Protocol for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year. You can come over and hang out with us in the chillest and the realest and the thrillest. And like, honestly, it is, it is really a great community. Like, it's a really great community over there on the House Party Protocol Discord to just come and chill and talk and chat about everything from Crisis Protocol to painting to even some 40K every once in a while. But it's not like the, the Reddit version of 40K. It's like the OK version of 40K. And then also we talk about Marvel Snap. It's just a good time. And then we also have a Mark V level of patron over there, and you can check that out and get two extra entries into the giveaway. Now, what giveaway are we doing? We're giving away the Weapon X Bunker Box Wolverine Sabertooth thing. 
we're doing that. So, Merzane, I think our secret code has to be frenemy, right? Oh, it definitely, that was what I was going to say. Like I was going to fight you if you said anything else. It's got to be frenemy. <laughs> <laughs> so, send us the secret code word of frenemy. And, uh, yeah, you get your extra bonus entry there. And uh, I think that covers everything. Uh, I mean, if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. If you do not, Happy Holidays. Uh, you know, I don't want to assume that everybody is the same, but Happy Holidays to everyone out there. And we're approaching the end of the year, and I plan on, like I said, having a, a one more episode before the end of 2022. But I just want to go ahead and say thank you to all the suits out there that have given me your time over this last year. It's been a wonderful year of growth for House Party Protocol, and I think 2023 is only going to be even better, even bigger, and I'm excited for the future of this podcast. And, you know, this is not just for me. This is for all the community out there. So if there's something that you guys want to see, something that y'all want to talk about, something more that I can do for the community for this podcast to help it grow, to help you guys grow in whatever you need. Just uh, feel free to hit me up. And uh, remember, I know this time of year can always be both a, a point of joy and a point of sadness for a lot of people. But uh, just know that if you're out there, you're awesome and you're, you're a real legend and be good to yourself. And remember that, yeah. You're just you're just great people, and and I want everyone to know that that no matter what you're going through, you're you're always a good good person in my book. So, uh, anyways, with that, Merzane, <laughs> uh, party on, Merzane, party on, Will, and power down, suits. <laughs> <laughs>